Welcome to We Talk Banking Finance with Walkers, where we talk to colleagues and peers about the latest trends in offshore finance. Welcome back to the Walkers We Talk Banking and Finance podcast. I'm Alice White, Senior Associate in the Banking and Finance team here in Jersey, and I'm joined today by my colleague, Julia Kepi, Group Partner, also in our Jersey office. Thanks very much, Alice, and welcome everyone to episode three of season two of our podcast. Yes, it's very exciting. So on today's episode, we're going to be joined by Bradley Davidson, Director and ESG Lead at RBS International. Bradley, you were one of our very first guests back in 2021. Welcome back. Thank you very much. It's good to be back with you both. It's really great to have you. It's fantastic that we're speaking to you again in 2023. So Bradley, I'm sure you'll agree 2022 was an eventful year, to say the least, for the finance market in particular, the last six months of the year. It seems that the energy crisis, inflation and rising interest rates kind of replaced COVID and working from home policies as the main topics of discussion over those coffees and drinks that we're having with colleagues and clients. But in terms of ESG last year, we did have COP27 in Egypt this year, which of course established that loss and damage fund. But I have seen it reported by some climate experts that progress in 2022 was kind of slow as governments all around the world were distracted by these issues surrounding the energy crisis and the financial crisis. Could you perhaps tell us what your view is in that respect and really what your experience was over the last 12 months? Yeah, of course. So I I think there's no doubt that 2022 was a challenging year. Um, not only for climate, but of course, the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the cost of living crisis, which have impacted millions globally. Um, but I wouldn't view those events as distractions. Um, I would view them as lessons that we need to learn and take forward as we drive the transition. So if we think about the economy, it isn't a static machine. It's a living, breathing organism that you know we all interact with on a day-to-day basis. When we're pushing for a sustainable economy through decarbonization, through adding value to society, unlocking the potential through social investment, that end goal will still have to interact with macroeconomic impacts, geopolitical events. And so actually, you know, we we can't look at those events as being distractions. Um, I think the global energy crisis is a really good example where Actually, that event has caused global leaders to really question their dependency on fossil fuels and more importantly, their dependency on those that hold power within the energy markets. If we look broadly, we can see that most world leaders are actually saying, no, I'm not comfortable with that dependency. And so if we look at the International Energy Agency, they're predicting that over the next five years, we'll produce as much renewable energy as we have done in the last 20. And so really, I think it's the reaction to those events and, and how we drive ESG through that that really define 2022. Um, I would also add that, you know, looking forwards, as I'm sure we'll get into later, but the, the economic uncertainty will challenge the prioritization of ESG. I, I think that's my main concern as we enter the new year is actually with businesses struggling, you know, both small and large, where will ESG fit on their list of priorities? And are we going to get the same pace? But, you know, if, if we look at any one year in isolation, I'm sure we'd all be disappointed by the progress made. 
Um, we need a significant amount over the coming years, especially towards 2030, where we need that 50% reduction in emissions to be able to meet 1.5 degrees or stay within it um, and ultimately head towards net zero. So, you know, I, I think we don't get disheartened. We adapt, we remain agile and, and we continue to push ahead. Thanks, Bradley. I think that's a really positive way of looking at, at reactions to everything that's gone on. And I, you know, I hope you're right. And, you know, especially the positivity on the renewable energy and the targets, you know, being maintained. Couldn't agree with you more. Does this make people question their priorities when there's so much other stuff, quote unquote, going on in the world? Be interesting to see. So to focus on sustainably linked finance products for a second, what, what have you seen there? Has there been a reduction or an increase in these? And importantly, do you think that KPIs have shifted or changed at all, um, linking that into what you were saying about sort of priorities? Yeah, so I, I think it's probably important to note that the main body of work that me and the team deliver at RBS International is, is focused on funds, so alternative investment funds in Europe. Um, and I say that because I think it's important context to note that uh, the inflows to ESG assets under management continue to increase last year. And so that particular uh, kind of indicator for us shows no sign of slowing down. Um, I think there will be some contraction as we started to see at the end of last year, where funds are having to look at how they're classified under SFDR, which... I'm sure many of the listeners know introduces that Article 6, 8 and 9, which essentially takes you from I'm not considering ESG to I'm targeting specific goals. Um, so there may be some short term contraction, but overall, the, the flow into sustainable investment remains strong. And that leads into sustainability linked financing for us. So how is it that we can incentivize further progress and um, those kind of real world practical outcomes that funds can deliver through their investment? Um, and we didn't, again, see a slowdown in interest for those facilities. Um, the market itself, I think, is maturing. So if we take a really basic indicator of how many KPIs are there per facility, um, when this product was launched in 2019, uh, we would see kind of one or two, and they were mainly environmental KPIs. The trend now is between three and four is pretty common in the market. Um, and there's a good split between social and environmental targets within there. So I, th I think the markets and the products are evolving and maturing with um, our customers and, and with the rest of the industry. Um, and again, there, there weren't major pressures throughout last year. Um, I do think, however, though, it's positive to see that our interactions with those customers are no longer solely focused on the product itself. We've always been a big advocate for a sustainability linked loan is an outcome of a strong ESG strategy rather than the start of that journey. And I think our customers really get that. And ultimately, the product is a small part of the discussion about their overall targets. Are they ambitious enough? Are they material? How do we push them forward? And ultimately, at the end of that, they look at how they can combine it with their financing strategy. Sorry, I was just going to say, you've actually answered my next question. That's such a positive trajectory, exactly what we want to hear. And I was going to ask, so how big a part are the loans of um, of your funds, of your clients and your customers in terms of their overall strategy. It sounds like it's a big part, but becoming a smaller part because there are other things that they, they need to do. Would that would that be right? Yeah, I, I, I think that's fair. It obviously depends where the customers are on their own journey. I think we recognize that everyone is at a slightly different stage. Um, but absolutely, the, the facilities themselves are a, a small part of the overall strategy. 
it is usually a, a communication tool now rather than a driver of strategy. So it's where, where do the customers, investors want to see progress? Where do they want to see that kind of credibility built? And yeah. putting those KPIs into a facility can help them do that. But without the overall strategy, it, it's not a viable product anyhow. Um, and I, I would agree, it's a, it's a small part of what they are doing to drive the agenda. Very, very well put, a communication tool. Um, I like that a lot. Um, so not to put you completely on the spot now, Bradley, but um, as you may well recall, common feature of our podcast um, is our crystal ball section where we ask our guests to predict what we'll be talking about if we're having the same conversation in 12 months time. Coming up for you again next. But as our first returning guest, we really wanted to take advantage of having you back on. And we went back and listened to your predictions. And the one that really stuck out for us was that you anticipated more focus on biodiversity and the S in ESG. You've sort of touched on this already with sort of the E and the S. So sitting here just over a year later, can you tell us, put us out of our misery, does this align with what you're seeing or have seen in, in the market since then? Yeah, it's always fun to have your predictions really back to you and have to answer them. So, so thank you both for that. I think there has been significant progress, not necessarily where I'd like the market to be right now. So if I if I break it down into the kind of S and the extended E beyond climate, for S, there were high hopes for the EU social taxonomy. Towards the end of last year, we, we started to get rumblings that that had been deprioritized by the European Commission. And I, I do think that's going to be a blocker to allocate sustainable investment in the right places. And um, we know that overall social is lagging. So if I just take the UK, um, the UN Global Compact um, Network in the UK last year put out their measuring 2.0 report, uh, which looks at how the UK is doing against the sustainable development goals. Um, and we're only tracking green against 17% of them. Um, and a large number is due to the kind of falling behind in socials. So I, I do think there'll be challenges without that framework we have for climate investment through the EU green taxonomy. Without a social version, it's going to be difficult to really see momentum build. Um, but there'll be other ways that the European Commission and UK regulators can, can guide investment funds, um, particularly through regulation. I think that's the approach I'll take. So not, not necessarily where we need to be. I think we need more focus on the S in ESG going forwards. Um, but I, I think there's at least recognition of that now and, and we can start to push that agenda. Um, on the E side, again, similar story and um, biodiversity and the fundamental risk of, of natural capital loss, I, I think is becoming ever more present. Uh, the TNFD, which is the kind of nature related financial disclosures framework, is due to be released this year um, following consultation last year. So I'm hoping that I'll bring the same clarity uh, to nature-related uh, financial risks as we have through TCFD for, for climate. Um, so yeah, progress, but, but lots to be done. That's great, Bradley. Thank you so much. And um, sorry, sorry, we did sort of hold you to that. I think you've um, kind of already touched on this question, but you know we couldn't round up this podcast without... Um, asking you to gaze into that crystal ball again and um, 2023 it's going to be um, a whirlwind 12 months I think what if we sit you down in in January 2024 what, what do you think the key themes key trends we'll be talking about are yeah so I think for me it's the shift from climate and ESG from being a material risk to an opportunity 
Um, that is the way in which you need corporations, uh, financial institutions to start thinking about ESG. It is not simply something that needs to be managed, but something that ultimately can, can be used to really drive sustainable growth long term. Um, and I think the focus on regulation towards the end of last year probably took away from some of that opportunity space. Um, but at the end of next or this year, at, at the end of this year, I want us to be really focused on where those opportunities are. ESG not to be something they have to do, but something that those doing it right are leading. Um, and that's the shift we need. It, it is less fundamental than what we've needed previously. We have the answers. We have our targets. More and more companies are putting transition plans in place to evidence how they'll get to net zero. And now we need execution and we need opportunities generated by that transition. Absolutely. Honestly, I couldn't agree more. And thank you so much, Bradley, for your very insightful um, thoughts and views on it. I guess just one thing I wanted to um, sort of raise with our listeners um, was I came across an RBSI fund report um, yesterday with your wonderful name on it. And there's a fantastic piece in there if any of our listeners are interested on... um, the, it's like a fund financing roundtable, and I see Bradley, you give your views on how you think ESG and fund financing will be developing. So, um, I thought that was a great read, and hopefully, I will see if our amazing team can put that in the show notes or something on the podcast to make sure um, people can be signposted to that. Yeah, thank thank you for calling that out. And um, a large part of what we did last year was really looking at science-based decarbonisation targets. And we worked with over 125 funds to understand the pace of implementation, benefits, risks when setting those targets. Um, we know the benefits. So RBS International, as part of NatWest Group, became one of the largest banks globally to have its science-based targets validated by the SBTI. Um, so we know the benefits of this process, and, and we think more of our customers should engage with it. Um, so yeah, if, if anyone listening is a fund manager and wants to wants to engage with us, then we're more than happy to do so. Um, but yeah, th- thanks, Alice, for the shout out. Appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, Bradley. And I'm sure we have thousands of fund managers listening who will hopefully be be- beating your door down in the not too distant future. But no, thank you so much for joining us once again, and really appreciate your time. No, thank you very much to both of you. Always a pleasure. You've been listening to We Talk Banking and Finance from Walkers. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like, share and subscribe.